Thanks for finding Organic Matters. To begin with, uh, we're going to start with, um, well, for those of you who've listened to me for a couple of decades now, one of my favorite, we'll call them animals, living things, are bees. We really have had a over my 20-some years, a lot of things have happened that are not really good for the bee population. But we're still studying them. We're learning. We know more of what the problems are. And they come up with some interesting questions. Can, can bees really learn? Do they remember? Do they think? Do they make decisions? Let, let's look at how they navigate the world. You've got to realize they go off yards and yards, find a pollen source, and come back and tell the rest of the guys. It's very interesting uh, for such a little kind of insignificant living insect for them to be able to communicate so well has always been fascinating. So I went looking and found some studies that kind of give us an idea that uh, how they actually uh, are able to communicate and be so efficient. As trees and flowers bloom in the spring, bees usually emerge from their winter nest and, or burrows, depending on what kind of bee you're talking about. For many species, it's um, um, immediately time to mate. And some will start uh, new solitary nest or colonies, gosh, before they're really even out uh, to collect their first uh, nourishment. Bees and other pollinators are essential, folks, to our society. They really are. They provide about a third of the food that we eat, a service that the global value is estimated to be by those scientists that do things I don't understand. Just in U.S. dollars, about $570 billion annually. But I also find bees interesting in many other ways that are kind of less widely known. In a book I found called What a Bee Knows, Exploring the Thoughts, Memories, and Personality of Bees, this is what I'm stealing, I use the word at least borrowing a lot of the information, I draw on the experiences in that book of a guy that's been studying for 50 years to explore how these creatures, I guess is the best word, kind of perceive the world in their amazing abilities to navigate, learn, communicate, and even remember. So here's some of the things that are in the book and that I found also in several other sources. But they're all good, good information about our friends, the bees. Or to begin with, because people are widely familiar with honeybees, many assume that all bees are social and live in hives or colonies with the queen. In fact, only about 10% of bees are social. Most are not. Most types don't even make honey, but they still pollinate a number of the foods we eat. Indeed, most bees lead a solitary life, digging nests in the ground or finding abandoned beetle burrows and dead wood to call their home. Some bees are what we call kleptoparasites. Let me explain that longer word than it sounds. They sneak into unoccupied nests to lay eggs in the same way, that, for instance, you've heard me talk about cowbirds lay their eggs in other birds' nests. And the unknowing foster parent rear their in the case of the cowbird, they're chicks, or in the case of the bee, they're young bees without even knowing they're not their own offspring. And there's a few species of tropical bees known as vulture bees. They survive by eating carrion. They're like vultures, literally, only they're bees. Their guts contain acid-loving bacteria that enable the bees to digest, especially degenerating, rotting, well, let's say protein, but meat. From what scientists have been able to find out, the world looks very different to a bee than it does to us. But bees' perceptions are not really simple. Bees are intelligent animals that 
probably feel pain, remember patterns and odors, and even recognize human faces, and I can attest to that. They can solve mazes and other problems and even use simple tools, which never was thought of for something only as high on the animal chain as insects. Research shows that bees are self-aware and may even have a primitive form of what we would call, in human terms, consciousness. During the six to ten hours bees spend sleeping daily, they see that memories are consolidated within their little brains. I guess that's what you'd call them. Organs the size, incidentally, of about a poppy seed that contain one million nerve cells, though. There are some indications that bees might even what we call dream. I'd like to think so, but it's food for thought. <laughs> Bee's sensory experience of the world is markedly different from ours. For example, humans see the world through the primary colors of red and green and blue. Primary colors to bees are green, blue, and ultraviolet. Bees' visions in some times are 60 times less sharp than, than we have as far as sharpness. A flying bee can't see the details of a flower until it's about 10 inches away, however. Bees have the ability to see hidden ultraviolet floral patterns that are totally invisible to us. And those patterns lead the bees to the flower's nectar, which is what they're looking for. Let's see if I can kind of put this little history, uh, facts that we learn into what I call my eighth grade brain. Bees can spot flowers by detecting color changes at a distance. When we humans watch a movie projected at 24 frames a second, which is what's pretty common for it, the individual images appear to blur in motion. This phenomenon, which is called, incidentally, it's got a name like everything, flicker fusion frequency, indicates how capable our vision systems are at resolving moving images. However, bees have a much higher, what we're going to call, flicker fusion frequency. You would have to play the film 10 times faster for it to look like a blur to them. So they can fly over flowering meadows and see bright spots of floral color that wouldn't stand out if we were flying and looking down the same way. We just don't see the world the same. From a distance, bees detect flowers also by scent. A honeybee's sense of smell is at least 100 times more sensitive than we are, than ours. Scientists have used bees to sniff out chemicals associated with cancer and with diabetes on patients' breath and to detect the presence of high explosive. That's kind of fascinating to me. Incidentally, to some degree, dogs are able to do some of this stuff. That's a horse of another color we'll have to talk about sometime. In addition, bees' sense of touch is highly developed. They can feel tiny, I'm going to call it fingerprint-like images on the petals of, of the flowers. Bees are deaf. They don't hear anything. Uh, to most airborne sounds unless they're very close to the source but are sensitive if they're standing on a vibrating surface. In other words, their whole body serves sort of like the, the inner part of our ear. As an aside, I got to tell you this, incidentally, since we're talking about bees. Some bees use dung to deter hornets from entering their hives. And this has been well studied. And, and I, don't, I guess I can use this. In other words, as many of... Uh, a case shown where bees use, pardon me, bullshit defense to keep giant hornets at bay. The prospect of, of death by hornet pushed some Asian honeybees to resort to using poop-based defense system. They lay their eggs where they're going to knit it, then they go get poop and they stuff that hole so it hides the, the sense that there's going to be a baby bee in there. And another experiment 
It was shown that bees can navigate mazes as well as many mice can, and studies show that they are self-aware of their body, their dimensions, where they can fit, for example. When fat bumblebees were trained to fly and then walk through a slit in a board to get the food on the other side, the bees turned their bodies sideways and tucked in their legs and slid through. They, they had a sense of, of that ability. Experiments by some Canadian researchers I found in another study demonstrated some pretty remarkable feats of bee learning. Bumblebees were trained to pull a string, in other words, to use a tool, connected to a plastic disc with hidden depressions filled with sugar water. They could see the sugar well, but couldn't get to the reward, except by tugging at the string until the disc was uncovered and came to them. Pretty fascinating. And in the same study, even more interesting, other worker bees were placed nearby in a screen cage where they could see what their trained hive mates did. Once released, this second group also pulled the string for the sweet treats. This study seemed to demonstrate what scientists term as social learning, acting in ways that reflect the behavior of others. That's pretty fascinating for an insect. Let's talk a bit about pollinating. In this case, pollinating with vibrations. Even pollination, which we need, one of the bee's best-known behaviors can be much more complicated than it seems. The basic process is similar to all, to all, for all types of bees. Females carry pollen grains, the sex cells of plants, on their bodies from flower to flower as they collect pollen and nectar to feed themselves. And, of course, they're developing grubs, if they've got some. When pollen rubs off onto a flower's stigma, of course, that's pollination that brings more flowers. So they don't only help us when they feed, they help the flower to propagate. That's what their job is. One of my favorite areas I always looked at in bee research examines a method called buzz pollination. Bees use it eh, about 10% of the world's 350,000 kinds of flowering plants that have special anthers, special parts, structures that are there to produce pollen in a place that are, the bees have evolved to pick it up. It's a symbiotic relationship. For example, a tomato's blossom's five anthers are pinched together like closed fingers on one hand. Pollen is released through one or two small pores at the end of each anther. When a female bumblebee lands on a tomato flower, she bites one anther at the middle and contracts her flight muscles, they say as many as 400 times a second. That's kind of fascinating. These powerful vibrations eject pollen from the anther pores in the form of a cloud that strikes the bee. Incidentally, it also happens in about a tenth or a few tenths of a second. The bumblebee then hangs by one leg and scrapes the pollen into little basket structures on her hind legs. If you've ever seen a bee full of pollen, you can really see it. It's amazing how much they can carry. Then she repeats the buzzing on the remaining anthers before moving to different flowers, which when she does, incidentally, takes that pollen to the next source. Bees also use buzz pollination on flowers of blueberries, cranberries, eggplants, and now we found out kiwi fruits. So they're truly, truly an intricate part of our entire food system, even maybe more so important than we originally thought. And something I think we should all at least think about, I certainly do, planting for bees. Many species of bees are declining worldwide big time, thanks to stresses including, number one, pesticides, Parasites, we do have a parasite problem in the, at least the honeybees in some parts of the world. And, of course, the biggie is habitat loss. We're just eliminating the things they need to survive. Whether you have an apartment, window box, or acres of land, 
you can do a few simple things to help bees. First, of course, plant native wildflowers so the blooms are available all season, every season. Second, try to avoid using herbicides and pesticides, folks. Insecticides and herbicides aren't good for you. They're not good for your pets. They're not good for the world. It may take a little bit more work to maintain your flowers, but it's good for the rest of us. Third, provide open ground where burrowing bees can nest. With luck, soon you'll have a bunch of buzzing new neighbor, neighbors, and it's funny, I'm amazed. I get around people, and they're still afraid of bees. I don't know what a bee does to you. I guess if you slap it or it lands on it's bound, that's not an impossible thing. But they're pretty gentle souls. Now, you may be thinking of some other wasp and hornets may be a bit more aggressive. But if you don't bother the bee, the bee will not bother you. You might consider putting it together what I call a backyard hotel. Uh, you should. It, it's just a mix of blocks and streams and wood blocks and things with holes in them. And you'd be amazed at the different species of bees you can draw to your particular piece of property, no matter how small it is. So think about our buddies, the bees, when you're uh, out there and say, don't, don't say, oh, they're not a, uh, an enemy. They're not something to be worried about. They're something to support that takes care of all of us. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters. Mm-hmm.